This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. As always, I am your host, Shane Told. So good to have you on my podcast where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a professional touring rock and roll band. Today, we have an awesome episode. I give my friend Kellen Quinn a call. What a dude. I mean, Kellen really does embody that whole rock star frontman personality. He's got the look. He's got the voice. He's a teen heartthrob. And he's the lead singer for one of the biggest bands in the scene. But when I met Kellen for the first time about four years ago, what really struck me about him was what a stand-up dude he is. He's a family man. He cares about his art. He cares about his music. And although soft-spoken, he will speak his mind about things when he feels like he has to. But as you will hear in this conversation, there is some darkness that has surrounded Kellen, something that he's dealing with. We talk all about that. And of course, we talk about the brand new Sleeping With Sirens record, Gossip, which is out now. Anyways, before we jump into that, I want to remind you guys I am on all the social media. You can follow me at Shane Told. You can follow the podcast at at Lead Singer Syndrome on Instagram, at Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N on Twitter. And of course, if you want to get in touch, you can send me an email. It's LeadSingerSyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my email. I'm not great at getting back, but I definitely read it all. So feel free to hit me up on there. In other news with me, I'm in Germany right now with my band Silverstein. We're supporting our new record, Dead Reflection, which is out now. Check it out. We have a whole bunch of tour dates coming up, about a week more here in Germany headlining. Then we're going across Canada 
And some U.S. dates were, were dipping down in the U.S. here and there. We're doing some shows like Milwaukee and Fargo and Seattle, um, Portland. And that is a headline tour with Seaway. Great band. They have a new record out as well, which is awesome. And then later on in the year, if anyone's listening to this from the U.K., Silverstein will be back headlining in the U.K. in December, which uh, is very rare for us. We don't head over there too often at all. And those shows are with a great new band called Hail the Sun. So check out all that stuff, silversteinmusic.com. And let me remind you about the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Now this is episode 98. I've been doing this thing for almost two years, putting out one episode a week. It's been a lot of fun for me. I really, really enjoy it. And I know so many of you do as well. But for some people, one episode a week is just not enough. But not to worry, with the All Access Club, you can get more. You can get bonus episodes. You can have interaction with me and other fans of the show on Facebook group. I do a monthly Q&A session where I get on there. I play some tunes, answer some questions. We run a bunch of contests. You get a bunch of Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise and patches and stuff in the mail. And if you want to buy any Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise, the only way to do it is to be a member of the All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, you can join. And we've really started to build a great special community. Shout out to all my sinners all around the world. We really do have such a great time together. So check it out, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. As little as $6 gets you in. And it really is what keeps this show going week after week. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. All right, let's dive in to my very interesting conversation with Kellen Quinn of Sleeping With Sirens. Maybe I better if I was, would it Hello. Hey, buddy. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you, man? Dude, so good. So good. So good to have you. Cool. Right on, dude. It's cool. We had, you know, the, like the little mini podcast we did, like, which which was a long time ago. Yeah, like around Warp Tour, right? Yeah, exactly. Like right right before you guys did Warp Tour, which I, I bet that feels like so long ago for you now. <laughs> My whole life is a blur, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, man. Um, I'm speaking <laughs> with Kellen Quinn. Um, of Sleeping With Sirens. Uh, yeah, man, so good to have you. And dude, I guess like, let's just jump into it. Let's, uh, let's not. Let's not dilly-dally, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the new record, dude, it's out. The new record is it's out. out. Uh, finally, out. Finally, after a lot of work, a lot of time, um, I was reading some of the interviews, like, you know, you were doing like in the studio and everything. How does it feel now that that thing is, is finally, finally out? I think it always feels good to have a record out of your hands, you know? I think that's like mm-hmm. the most important thing to me because if my if if I have it in my hands, I'm going to keep messing with it. I'm going to keep I'm going to pe- I'm going to keep screwing with it and changing things and and going back on stuff and you know what I mean? So I, I think it's good to get it out of your hands because then it's um it's not yours anymore. It's everyone else's and um yeah, dude, it's kind of a relief, you know? Feels good. Totally, totally. I mean, 
the record is um is different. Um, I don't know how else <laughs> to, to say it. To say the least. Yeah, it, it, re- it really though. It really is different. It's like, like bands say, oh, you know, oh, this record's different, or we we made this like mature record, or they they still say the cliche things you hear all the time. Um, but your record is is very different. Um, Thank you. Having it out now, I want to talk about all the ways it's different in a bit. But having it out now, uh, did you have some anxiety about like, okay, now everyone's going to hear this record and like it's different, and like, what if they don't like it? Uh, I think there's always anxiety when you do a record. That's like that's like the professional way of answering your question. The literal way of answering your question yeah. is hell yeah. I was definitely I was dealing with some anxiety for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know what, man? Like, I think the important thing about this record is it bridges a gap between who we were and who we and who we want to be, you know? And okay. I'm not to, not to say that our new record is going to sound anything like the one we just put out. You know, I could, I could decide tomorrow, like, hey, I really want this, I want our new record to to dabble, like, more on the heavy side again because that's how I'm feeling in mm-hmm. my in my soul, you know? Um, I think this record is, is kind of a godsend in that way to where it's like, it, it, it's literally point blank. Like we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to make the music we want to make. And that might turn some people off. It might, it might bring us new fans. It might push some of our older fans away, but I think that's kind of like a necessity for me in terms of making music because it's either that or I stop doing it all together. You know, I can't keep making the same record over and over and over again. I think that's kind of unfair. <laughs> so Yeah. And I, I totally like respect that a lot that, that you, you guys are going to do what you want to do, but you know, obviously there's what Kellen Quinn wants. There's what Jack Fowler wants. There's what Nick Martin wants. Like you guys have a bunch of people that are the creative forces uh, in yeah. sleeping with sirens. It isn't just you. So right. when you guys like, I'm just trying to, trying to understand how this record came to be because when you guys start talking about, okay, we're coming in, we're going to make this record. We're going to work with David Bendith. Um, when you guys start talking about all that, there's got to be some bumps in the road where it's like, whoa, 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 like, I don't know if I'm on board for this. Like, like, where does that, how is that conversation with you guys to, to try to figure out what gossip is going to be? Yeah, I think that, um, I think for this, you know, this time making this record, it was, it was kind of like a lone wolf thing for me. I think, I think the guys, like, they definitely contributed in the studio, but when it came to writing like the songs and the lyrics and the melody and all that stuff. It was kind of like a solo mission on my end. It was kind of like, Hey, Kellen, you know, we need you to like get out there and kind of come up with, with topics and come up with ideas. It put me kind of in a strange place because I feel like we were just kind of coming off the, the end of madness and really didn't have like a lot of time to just kind of sit and, and, and vibe, you know, it was just kind of like thrust out into the world and, come up with the music so right. i think that i think the record gossip definitely translates in that way um it was me kind of assessing the last year of my life the craziness that it was and the constantly being on the road and and just kind of looking at what i feel music is what it's done to me who i've become through it um it's really just kind of like a a diary of sorts of my life, yeah. you know, within the past year or so. And, um, right. That, that's what the music's become. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you've been, you've been fairly vocal, um, you know, in social media and in interviews and stuff about that, about kind of going through a dark point in your life. Um, you know, you talk about having like an anxiety attack, like literally on stage. Um, yeah. Walk me through that part of your life and like, and like, 
what was kind of going on, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, I don't mind at all. Kind of setting the record um, straight a little bit because I think, you know, a lot of your fans look up to you because a lot of your fans feel like you feel. They, they can relate to, to a lot of the things you go through. So, you know, I, I think it's important kind of to, to just say, okay, what, what happened and, and where are you, how are you doing now? Yeah, I think, you know, like first and foremost, like I appreciate it when people say that. Like that, that makes me very happy, you know, because like I'm, I'm a very like – a very emotional guy. Um, so, you know, the music I write reflects the way my emotions are. The way, the way I am on stage is, is a direct reflection of how I'm feeling, you know? Um, I'm, it's, it's really hard for me to like kind of mask that getting better at it, but it's, yeah. it's always been kind of like a hard thing for me. Um, and along with saying thank you, like, I just want to say like, it, it's a lot of pressure to live up to like this, this character that, that people have kind of created for me. Um, right. of being like this, like, I guess godsend to, I mean, it's crazy when parents come up and say like, you're the reason my daughter is still standing here. Like that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody who's just <laughs> trying to write some songs and be a family guy on his own. You know, yeah. I was dealing with, was dealing with a lot of alcoholism, um, last year and, and I've, you know, I've started the process of becoming sober. Um, I find wow. I've, yeah, Good yeah. So, um, Thanks, dude. Um, but I was I was using that to kind of numb my feelings or to, I guess, give myself liquid courage on stage. And I noticed like a huge change in me, in my soul and my personality and everything. I wasn't becoming like I wasn't the same talent that I used to be. I was becoming something else. So I, um, yeah, it's just it's this whole record and this whole last year has been me trying to like figure out, okay, who are you now, like? You used to be someone, now you're not. Like, how do we get back to either who you were or how do we find the new, more positive right. version of yourself? So right. that's basically what it is for right. this no, album. No, absolutely. I think I read, I think it was Alternative Press, I think think when you guys did an interview with them, and it was talking about Jack saying, you know, I think David Bendis said, you'd rather go to the fridge and pick up a beer than pick up a guitar. And yeah. it sounds like that was something that, you know, you were battling too. Um, was this during the recording process too that you guys were struggling with this um, or was that when you were kind of like realizing that you didn't need that? Yeah, I think more so realizing that I didn't need that. I mean, like I, I did this whole record like in the booth sober. Yeah. Um, my struggle was more about like going on stage um, and also just kind of dealing with any sort of I was using like alcoholism to mask like the the issues that I was going through to try to like escape that rather than deal with it and and face it and 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 go through that and which is crazy to you know to, to talk about because you know I'm a family guy like I have a family at home and like I just I guess I realized that you know alcoholism is a, an addiction and it is something that can kind of take over your life whether you have people that are counting on you or not you'll find a way to screw that up in some way, you know? So I, I guess I just, I found out that I had this issue and I started taking care of it before it, you know, ruined my whole life basically. Oh, well, dude, so. that's, that's, congratulations on, on, you know, being able to do that, you know, and get at it while, while it's going. I mean, you're right about it sneaking up on you. I mean, I make no, um, I don't hide the fact that I'm a drinker. Uh, I don't hide yeah. the fact that, that like there was a day I think, fairly recently where I woke up and I, and I thought to myself, when was the last time I went like a whole day without at least having like one drink or two drinks? Right. And I couldn't right. remember. I couldn't remember the last time. 
when that starts to go through your head, you're like, okay, that that's not normal. Yeah. But dude, like honestly, the, the thing that sucks about the music industry is everything, it goes hand in hand, you know? Yeah. Like when I first, when I first started doing music, I didn't drink. Like it's just when I started going on tour and I was 21 and met with other bands that were on tour and I saw them like having a bottle of whiskey and chasing it with like soda before they go on stage and, and all this and that. Like it was like almost like this, oh, this is, this is the cool thing to do to be in a band. And right. then you know, fast forward like seven years later and it's like, it's literally when, when you realize, when you realize that, um, you need something in order to go out and perform, that's, that's when you realize that it's taking control of your life, you know? Um, yeah, totally, man. and, and I feel, I feel like, I feel like you kind of miss out on living, dude. you know, you miss out on like actually living your life and enjoying it because everything ends up becoming a blur. Everything just kind of is a, a fog over your eyes. So, yeah. Um, I'm happier now, you know, like it's a struggle. It's a, it's a daily thing. And, um, I just kind of decided, you know, like what's more important to me is being able to say like, Oh, you know what else like really messed with me too is like the whole Tom Petty thing that just happened the other day. Like dude was only 66. Yeah. Like that's, that's not even that old. No. And, and you know, like Chester and all the, all the other musicians that deal with depression and anxiety, like I think all that stuff goes hand in hand with, with what we put in our bodies and how we treat ourselves. So for me, it's just, it's become a choice of, I'd rather be healthy, see my kid graduate, see her get married and be around and stick around because music will only last for so long. You know, like I'm not expecting to be in a touring band for the rest of my life. It just doesn't work that way anymore. But I would like to be around to see my family, you know, accomplish their dreams and their goals and support them in that way. No, absolutely. And and to be to be frank, I don't think, you know, you have to worry about your musical career ending anytime soon, dude. I think you're doing just fine. <laughs> oh, I'm not worried. I'm not, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I think that. it's going to be there for you if you want to do it. I'm not it. saying that, dude. Like, even, <laughs> even when not. I'm not I'm, this, I'm just kidding. when I'm not in this band anymore, I'll I'll be doing writing and stuff, you know? Like that's that's yep. that's my main focus and passion, dude. I love writing songs. I love it more than touring and being on the road, you know? I love performing, but being in the studio and writing music, that's like my favorite thing ever to do. Um because it's where I feel like I shine. So Absolutely. I think that um, that's my future after this band's done. Now, how is working with David Bendith on this record? I mean, he is, he's a bit of a crazy guy. Uh, he's intense. We, I, have, I got a great Bendith story, I'll tell you, after you, you tell me a little bit about your experience. Um, you know, he's, he's known for, for making a lot of great records. Um, he's an older guy. How did the decision to work with him come about, and, um, and how was that? Yeah, um, so Bendis is one of those producers that, um, he's a lot like Feldy in a way. I, I don't want to say they're exactly alike because I know that Bendis would kill me if I ever compared him to, to Feldy at all. Um, <laughs> but they're a lot alike. They're a lot alike in the sense to where they, they know what project they want to do. And, and when they've, when they've realized the project they want to do, there's nothing stopping them. Like they'll come to like every single one of your shows. Like he would be at every New York show saying, when are we going to do a record together? When are we going to do a record right. together? And he was very, very like adamant about doing it, you know? And, and, and we as a band were always kind of like, Oh, we don't know. Like, you know, we're going to think about it. But at the end of the day, like I was, I was almost like, okay, dude, you want to make a record with us. You keep coming to us. You know, we had, we had some ideas of who we want to do a record with. And it was just kind of like, they're like, well, you know, we don't know if it works with our schedule. I'm like, okay, cool. We've got a producer that wants to do it. And at right. the end of the day, like, that's what I want. I want, I want somebody that wants to make a record with us, not someone that's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll do it. Sure. So, so we went into to making this record. Sure, we've heard a lot of 
stories about how Bendeth is from other bands. A lot of our homies and bands have worked with him, like Omisa Men and Tonight Alive, and we've we've heard all the stories. So let me just say that <laughs> the stories don't make the reality like they don't do the reality justice. There is definitely some strange things that Bendeth does when making records, but. For me, I, I feel like I got along really, really well with him, and I feel like we connected, and he he definitely brought out the best in me vocally um, and lyrically, I think, on this album. So, Cool. No, um, yeah, I've heard stories about, you know, a guitar player trying to play, like, a riff, and every time he fucked it up, Ben just would hit his, hit his hand with the drumstick. Oh, my God. Nice to see you. Can I get a picture? Uh, I can't right now, but thank you. <laughs> Where are you, dude? I was at the grocery store. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's funny, hey man. You got recognized. <laughs> All right, continue. Someone, someone was doing a guitar part, and what? Oh yeah, sorry. Every time, why this is this is a story I heard that every time the guitar player would fuck up, Bendith would hit hit him on the hand with the drumstick. <laughs> Jesus. Right, and and you know it's yeah. a, another funny Bendith story. So we were supposed to do. A lot of people don't know this actually, but. We were supposed to do our Discovering the Waterfront record, our second record with Bendith. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, we were supposed to do it with him. And, you know, he's Canadian, right? So it was uh, it was like a sort of a Canadian content thing and whatever. And we were going to, you know, I guess we were going to make the record in New Jersey. And then yeah. something happened and he ended up not being able to do it, a scheduling problem, and we had to finish the record. So we ended up going with someone else. But when we were, you know, when he was courting us, coming to our shows, he came to a, a, see us play at Starland Ballroom, and well, you know, before we're on, he's like talking to us and whatever, and uh, you know, he's a guitar player, <laughs> and <laughs> so Josh breaks a string and he hands the guitar to the guitar tech. So the guitar tech takes the guitar and goes to restring the string that broke, and Bendith walks over, pushes him out of the way, goes, "You're doing it wrong." And puts the string on and hands it back to the guitar tech. And the guitar tech's like, okay. So he hands it to Josh. And Bendith had put the string on, like, backwards. You know what <laughs> I mean? So you have to turn the, the tuner, like, the wrong way. <laughs> and we were like, okay, what a, what a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he never hit anybody with drumsticks. But I do remember, I do remember one story, like, uh, Gabe was doing some drum work and... And he couldn't get it right. And so Bennett's like, do you want to come in here and listen to it? And he's like, that's my David. That's my David Bennett voice, by the way. You want to you want to come here and listen to what you're doing? And he's like, sure, yeah, I'll come in. So he comes into the studio and he starts playing Gabe back his parts. And he goes, sounds like two shoes and a dryer. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny, man. Well, the drums on the record are like, are pretty different too. I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, it's heavily sampled. Uh, programmed and stuff. What was that decision like to 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 do that for drums? Was that something that Bendith brought to you guys? Is that just kind of how it worked out when you mixed it? I'm kind of curious about the drums. Um, the mix of both, dude. I mean, the, the songs that needed programmed drums, I think, are the are the right move. You know, uh -huh. uh, again, you're you're. T it's almost like you're talking about like, hey, like this is who you were. Now you're completely different. Yeah. But the thing is, if you look at the evolution of our band, like. If you look at each record, like, sure, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, the producer that we, the producers that we went with, you know, like, Cameron yep. Mizell is known for doing Cameron Mizell records, Chris Crummett's known for doing Chris Crummett records, Feldy's, you know, known for doing Feldy records, but, like, 
you look at a song like um, Better Left Alone off Madness, and you stick it next to um, I Need to Know off our new record, it's really not that much of a difference yeah. within those two songs. Um, I think that <laughs> I think that it's funny that people get so hung up on like changing sounds, you know, like yeah. when really, when really, I think that. I think that's important to do. I think that um, I think it's going to be really interesting when we when we go into deciding to make this next record, what it's going to sound like. Because I've I've been listening to a lot of strange stuff lately, so I'm really really <laughs> interested to see where it goes from there. What have you been so, listening to? I've been listening to Nine Inch Nails a lot. <laughs> I've been listening to Nine Inch Nails a lot, dude. Um, Great band, one of my favorites. I've been listening to Alice in Chains a lot, so okay. it's like I'm not saying we're gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying we're going to go in and make a butt rock Nine Inch Nails record, but I am saying that it's probably going to be a lot more dark and less light, you know, on that end. But I can't tell you how excited I am to to go out on this Rise Against tour and play songs like Gossip and play songs like Trouble. I think that they're going to really, really fit in with with that tour. I think people are going to be like, "Wow, this is a cool band," you know people that have never heard us before. Right. And isn't that a weird thing? Like, like for a band like you guys, I mean, you're getting recognized at the grocery store. Like sleeping with sirens is, is kind of, I mean, in this genre is like one of the more household names. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess you guys don't have that many opportunities really to go out and, and be like, Oh my God, we're going to play for a room of people that maybe most of them have never heard of our band or, or at least heard our band before. Dude, we played, um, we played these two festivals before the end of this tour was done. It was like Ladder Than Life Fest and Sonic Boom Fest. And they're both just like, I mean, you look at the bands, it was like Rob Zombie, Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Of Mice and Men. It's all just like rock, you know, rock bands. And this new record of ours is very much pop, like more so on the pop side. Yeah. Um, we play these festivals, dude, and I, I go out there and I tend to, I tend to just say, mother effer a lot more and for some reason it just it makes us a rock band <laughs> um, let's um, be clear you aren't saying right. you aren't literally saying mother effer right because <laughs> if you can say it on yeah. stage you can say it on my show okay all right cool cool yeah sorry so yeah <laughs> can you imagine Same walking out like, what's up you mother effers <laughs> everyone would be like yeah, yeah, who is sure. this band <laughs> well I didn't, I didn't know i didn't know um, <laughs> i'm just kidding man but yeah um, jokes aside, like I feel like I feel like I love the opportunity to win over crowds that may not know who we are, yeah. and um, and it's it's awesome to hear like at the end of the show, like hey, just want to let you know, like after your performance today, you guys sold more merch than you've ever done at a festival like this before. Um, it's exciting to hear that. I think that I think that we are given the opportunity to start winning over some new audience and to not necessarily be pigeonholed into this scene. That, that we started off in and, it, and we're not saying goodbye to it. We're not saying like, no thanks. We're not interested anymore. We're just saying like, we want the opportunity to maybe try some other things, some other ventures, you know? Absolutely. And I was going to ask you that too, you know, I mean, obviously like it's, you're on a major label now too. I mean, there are doors that that can open for you. Um, one of which is the Olympic song. Um, yeah. Which is like a crazy opportunity. And I'm kind of wondering how that was facilitated. Um, you know, you must guys must have been just beside yourselves when when that was you know when you realized it was going to be you guys. Yeah, well, the the reason that happened was because I was really really good at bobsledding when I was younger, and <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, Imagine 
what kid is into bobsledding? Like, there's no way you can just be like, yeah, dad, I want to be a bobsledder. And they, like, take you down to the local track and you go bobsledding. Like, right. that's not a thing. Funny thing <laughs> is, though, like, right down this, this is not a joke. Right down the street from my house, there is a bobsledding, like, track that people can practice on around here. I guess okay, it's like, I don't know. It's in, now it's I've heard everything. Things. I'm from Canada yeah. <laughs> and I've never even seen that. So, <laughs> um, honestly, dude, it's just a mix of. Well, honestly, I can just say it's Benji. It's Benji Madden, you know. Benji Madden, um, our manager, yeah, is is just really good at at making friendships and finding things along the way. And he just so happened to be at this meeting, and they were talking about music for like NFL and ESPN. And somehow, like the Olympics came up, and he goes, "Well, I've got this band I'm working with, Sleeping with Sirens. They got this song, Legends. I think it'd be great for the Olympics." He played them the song, and they said, "Wow, this is amazing." we'd love to have this be the song and here we are, you know, like I think it's, it's just one of those like right place, right time things. Totally, man. Totally. Yeah. And, and that's right. The Madden brothers are, uh, are managing your band kind of like a, kind of a crazy move. Like, you know, I know you guys were, were working with other managers before some kind yep. of, you know, big deal managers, um, you know, to, to move away from that and work with guys that are basically just, musicians you know what i mean it's it's kind of a it's a it's a really cool move but putting your faith into that into guys that are you know used to like getting up on stage and playing um and having managers of their own was that a hard decision like how did that how did that decision come into play um it wasn't a hard decision and i think the beauty of them managing us is the fact that they do get up on stage and play shows. Um, right, they get it. I'm not sure. sure. I'm not. I'm not sure that they are managed by anybody. I'd have to double check that before I say. But oh, I just um, mean. I just mean like previously. You know, when they were having all their right, success. Right. Yeah. And, you know, huge success. I think. I think. I think the thing that that that's awesome about Benji and Joel is that they they put you as an artist first, um, and just the way that they've reassessed our business for our band. Like, our business was like really upside down, and they've they've been doing so many amazing things to turn our business around and you know like when they say things like hey you guys have been like juiced so hard like in the united states like you guys have just been like oh yeah just tour 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 and who cares if if it starts to kind of deplete because what does it matter we're getting our commissions like that's the way a lot of managers think and their and their whole thought process is you know what let's do a let's do a tour in america and then let's let's make america wait a while dude like you, they can have you whenever they want. Let's go. Let's go to some other countries that don't get a chance to see you, and then let's build like let's build that anticipation for you guys to come back. Let's get you guys excited to tour in the U.S. again. And let's get kids excited to go see you because let's face it, if you're gonna do a tour in America and then you got another tour that you got because we all announced them like around the same time, like hey, we're on tour in America, but just so you know, in like three months we're gonna be on tour again with this band. Kids are gonna be like, oh, I'll just go see them then. Because I want to see the other bands you know so it's just smart decision making it's putting the artist first and um they've been they've been dude they've been so great it's been a blessing (laughs) when you were you know younger i don't know if you were a good charlotte fan or whatever you were it was yeah waldorf nap Nap town worldwide but up what (laughs) (laughs) well like i mean it's funny um would you have ever thought like that Benji Madden would be your manager like as a kid isn't that so surreal like do you ever call him on the phone I mean now you're like I'm sure you're tight as hell but like does it ever just like kind of just you just think about it and you're just like oh my god how weird is that 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't have imagined that he'd be my manager, but I also wouldn't imagine that he would have different hair. Like, I miss, like, the old, like, Liberty <laughs> Spike hairdo. And the I'm, super punk rock Benji, yes. Yeah, I miss it. I mean, I love, I love like, the... Sh- uh, sorry, I love the shaved head Benji, though, because um, he looks tough as hell. But does, I really yeah. do miss, like, I, I miss the whole, like, Liberty Spike. <laughs> oh, definitely, man. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny. This is a podcast, and you know, you ventured into the podcast world, and you were doing that for a while. Is that something you're still kind of working with? Um, you've stepped aside from it, or whatever, because I know a lot of people actually really like your podcast. Yeah, I think that for me, like, it's just so hard to do it when you're on the road all the time. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm, I'm in Germany right now, so it's not. You know, I'm I'm going on stage in like an hour. You know. Yeah, it's difficult, dude. Like, especially you know when. Um, you have so much other stuff going on. I, I just felt like it was, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it. I want it to be like enjoyable. And it almost felt like it was almost kind of like more of a hassle to me at the time. I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to do it, but I feel like if I'm going to do it, I want it to be something that I'm like really passionate about. No, totally. Yeah. And people can check it out. It's called, we like it loud, right? Yeah, it's not going on anymore. Though. Yeah, well, it's still there if people you know want to. Uh, yeah, people want to listen to past episodes for sure. <laughs> nice man. Um, I kind of want to take. We were talking about music a little bit, and one thing that sometimes people people criticize me for is talking about things on the show that aren't music. And a lot of people love to know about how, like, really what influenced and what inspired artists. And I like to start at the beginning. Um, and you know, when you were a kid growing up, um, what was music like in your life? Like, what was your family structure like? How did you become, you know, so passionate, uh, about music? Like, what was the first kind of, uh, the start there in your life? Well, my grandmother listened to the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, Janis Joplin, like all the old, old like 60s, 70s rock, um, my dad listened to like Boys to Men, uh, <laughs> really? TLC, Shy, um, <laughs> Bobby Brown. He was like into like the R and B stuff. Um, and then my mom lived in Sacramento, California, so we listened to the station called The Rogue there. Okay. It was, like the rock. So I was getting like Kid Rock, Love Biscuit, Corn, uh, you know, bands like that. So it was kind of like a it was kind of like a blender of music really um i had a lot of different influences you know, i love i love things from like um i'd listen to like tupac and then i'd throw on like kid rock and then i'd throw on like dave matthews band i dabble a little bit with alanis morissette why not you know and then <laughs> <laughs> i love alanis i love her total i don't know i it's not even a guilty pleasure for me that's just a pleasure <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, and then I think right around high school is when I started getting into bands, like, within our scene, you know, like, I think that I ended up meeting a friend. I, I'd moved to Michigan from Oregon, and I didn't really know that much about, you know, the scene of music, like, other than, like, Sum 41 and Good Charlotte. Right. And then through, through skateboarding with my friend, I discovered bands like Finch, The Use, The Starting Line, and you guys, and just, like, all the other artists that were, like, slaying on Warped Tour at the time. So, <laughs> right, right. Um... I think that was kind of where I, I started becoming interested in like, hey, I think it'd be fun to tour and I think it would be cool to play on stage and to travel and see the world and all that. Really? So that that's kind of that was kind of your inspiration because it's for a lot of people. I think, you know, you get 
you fall in love so much with music when you're a kid and, and you just love the way it makes you feel. So then you're like, I want to do it. I want to make my own music. Um, yeah, you for know, me, I wanted to be an artist. Yeah, and that's interesting because that's really, you know, not not usually the case. It's usually the other way around. It's usually, I just want to play music and then the, the touring and the, the being an artist and the, that whole side of things, you know, being a star is sort of, you know, uh, um, as a result of just the love for music. But it sounds like for you, it was like you were enamored with the idea of the whole package. Yeah, it was the drive-through DVDs. Do you remember those? Um, you no, know, I don't think I do remember those. I, I, I mean, obviously, drive-through had like all those bands. Like it was so big at the time with, uh, you know, yeah. New Found Glory and the Starting Line and Finch and Census, Census Fail. Census Fail. Yeah. yeah, all of them. Um, basically, those two DVDs, the, the Volume One and the Volume Two drive-through record DVDs, are what inspired me to want to be in a band and be on tour because um, they had live. They had live footage from like I think Skate and Surf, um, yeah. and they had uh, they had like interviews with all the bands. Like I think they had like there's like a, a scene where they have Buddy and the rest of the dudes from Census Fail like doing like an interview in their mom's house before the band even like blew up and <laughs> and like just all of them like you know like Buddy's getting like a Capri Sun out of the fridge and <laughs> um. <laughs> And I just was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I, uh, you know, I was watching, like, I was watching Randy from uh, Finch become R2K, like this, like, fake character that he made <laughs> up and, and just do, like, really funny things. And I was just, like, enamored with it. Uh, I was like, man, this looks, this is great. This is who I am. I'm, I'm ridiculous like this. And I right. love to sing. And it'd be great to be in a band and tour and, and go out there and do that. So th I think that's ultimately, yeah, my inspiration. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Shout out to Randy, man. I love that dude. One of my favorites, <laughs> one of my favorites for sure. Well, yeah, you, t you say like, okay, well, um, yeah, I want to do this stuff. And like, I mean, it's like, thank God you could sing. I mean, do you have any formal training? Um, cause you, I mean, your voice is like in in incredible. And I, I kind of wonder like, how did that come about? Were you just like, oh yeah, I want to be in a band. Oh yeah. And then you're just like, la 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 la. And it was just like an angel or like, how did that happen? You know, when you figured um, it out, I started, I started singing, like I did a little bit of singing in high school, but I was just, I was always singing as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I guess like my formal training is just emulating artists that I love and listening to the music and singing the words and, and kind of like stealing the ideas. I tell kids all the time when they're like, what's your biggest um, piece of advice for someone that wants to be in a band? And my biggest thing is always like, start off emulating like the art love. Start off trying to sing exactly like them. And then eventually you will find like, your own voice you'll find your own way of of singing that is yours and only yours but you've got to start somewhere and that's that's where i started yeah i think you're totally right i mean that's the same way that like every guitar player the first thing they play is a cover you know what i mean you have right. to learn like the styles of kind of your favorite bands and then to develop your your own style um yeah like one thing you know about your voices is, is just how high you sing um you know is is part of part of the uniqueness of your voice um, uh -huh. did that, that was just something natural that came to you. And is it, do you ever like wake up and you're like, you groan or you're like, have a little bit of a cold or your voice feels a little bit rough and you're just like, God damn, I wish I didn't sing so high. Oh <laughs> dude, every day of my life, <laughs> every freaking day, every um, day, dude. Yeah. But some, you know what? For the most part, there's only been like a few shows where I'm like, can only get above Scott Stapp range, but for the most part, <laughs> 
for the most part, I get there, dude, and it's it's awesome. Like, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, like I love my voice. Maybe not so much for like this particular band all the time, because I listen back to like my old acoustic stuff, and when when I wasn't having to have to scream or any of that, it was yeah. a lot more. Um, it was a lot more suiting, but um, but I love I love the power and in, in the type of music that we play. You know, like I love bands like at the drive-in. I love bands oh, yeah. like. I love bands that have that energy, you know, like that's always something that I would always have a really hard time walking away from because I, I just couldn't see myself just standing up there doing acoustic every night. I love being able to get like rowdy and get in the crowd and all that. Totally, man. Totally. Have you seen at the drive-in on their, like, you know, since they've been back? I haven't been able to. Oh, now. dude, you got to go see them. I, I saw them in Toronto a few months back and it was like the best show, man. Cedric, Cedric, first of all, Cedric came out and he stage dove, like he jumped in the crowd in the first song. I was nice. like, this is awesome, you know? And he's just like, his hair is just like ridiculous and he looks amazing. And he, I love was, saying, he was saying the funniest shit between songs. Like, I don't even know what, I don't even know what happened, but it was an amazing show. So, uh, shout out to at the drive and that's cool to know you're, you're a fan of them. And, and now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of makes sense a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say like, Oh, sleeping with sirens direct, you know, rip off of at the drive by any means, but I totally like now that you say it, I can kind of hear that influence. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, but the new record, I'd say your voice is, is, is a bit different on it. And I know I know you know you guys really went out and you tried to try to make a record that was passionate and from the heart. But not only is your range, I'd say you aren't you know doing the signature Kellen Quinn super high vocals, but the vocal production. There's like a lot of effects and stuff, like a little bit like you mentioned the Beatles, like a little bit of like a John Lennon effect, you know, on some of the songs, which uh, I was kind of surprised about when I listened to the record. Yeah, dude. Um, well, I kind of came to a decision in my life where I'm like. Okay, I can be known as the dude that just sings high all the time, or I can be known as the guy that hits, or I can be known as the guy that like hits. Because even when I'm singing in my low range, I've got a higher voice. But to be able to hit like a note and have people be like, "Holy shit, did you hear that note you just hit?" is way more exciting than "fuck this guy or girl sings really really high all the time." Oh sure. Um, so that was that was a huge part of it. As far as the production goes, yeah, man, I was I was I was really kind of wanting to get into that kind of Rolling Stones vibe. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, we ran our vote. We ran my vocals through tape. Um, oh, really? We used a lot of, yeah. We, we used a lot of cool um, effects and things on it. And it was fun to experiment, dude. Like I really enjoy that. Like when you listen to bands like the Black Keys, like you can tell like there's those, those certain effects that they use and it gives it that kind of old timeless sound. So that's something that I definitely wanted to do with this record. Yeah, it's interesting. I always, whenever I hear a, a record like that, um, I always wonder what kind of conversation went like took place there because it's a big decision, you know, like um, I don't know if you like the Gaslight Anthem, but like their record, you know, 59 Sound, um, that record has that like effect on the vocals like the entire record. And it right. kind of makes it makes that record definitely have its own character, and its own sound. But it's also like, I mean, that's going to be very polarizing to people. You know what I mean? So I just always wonder about that, like what kind of conversation bands have. Yeah, I think it was just it was just kind of like sitting down listening to the vocals without the production. They just sounded too pristine, sounded too like clear, you know, too like velvety. So yeah. I think that I think that um, putting the effect on there made songs like Trouble and made songs like Gossip have the sound that we wanted it to have. Yeah, man, to- totally. Um, 
So yeah, uh, t- talk to me about what's coming up for you guys. Uh, obviously, a big tour um, supporting, which is nice for you guys. Um, probably looking forward to playing a shorter set on stage. Um, and then yeah. what else? What else is like in the cards? I mean, the new record just came out. Um, dude, we're gonna be spending a lot of time on the road, man. Uh, we've got we've got some tour dates lined up for or te- well tentative tour dates lined up for Australia, South America, Japan, Southeast Asia. Um, kind of all over the place. I know we're going to try to do something in Canada and spend a lot of time everywhere else besides the U.S. and then come back and do something <laughs> something bigger in the U.S. probably next year. So all that's, your American fans cool. are going to be so bummed out after they listen to this, man. That's good. That's what I want. <laughs> you want I them want to miss them, you a little them, bit, sure. I want them to miss us, dude, for sure. So. That's that's great. Um, so, of those places you mentioned, is there any you're looking forward to going to in particular? Um, I am, dude. I'm, I'm looking to go. I'm looking forward to going back to Japan. I really oh, enjoyed I know, being there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about going back to Australia and South America. South America's amazing. Probably the most excited. I'm in a lot. Oh yeah. And Southeast Asia will be great too. So. No, totally, man. Yeah, watch your shit in South America. That's for sure. I had uh, the last time I was there, I had my passport stolen in Brazil. Oh wow! And that was uh, it was a, such a nightmare, man. Like I had so we had a Brazil, we had two Brazil shows, and we had a day off in Sao Paulo, and and we were just like hanging out, and somebody pickpocketed me. I didn't even feel it, and my passport was in my pocket with some money, and it was just gone, and uh, I had to get a passport like the next morning. And I had to get yeah. it that day or not only would I not be able to fly domestically because you need a passport to fly domestically in Brazil if you're not a Brazilian citizen. So um, I, I want, not only would, would have to miss that show or we'd have to cancel that show, but I wouldn't have been able to go home because our right. flight home was the next day and I would have been stuck in Brazil. And I walked in the passport office for you know the Canadian uh, consulate. I walked in like right when they opened and they're like, it's impossible. It will not happen today. There's no way. I batted my eyelashes and I, I, you know, uh, I did everything I can and I tried to sweet talk him and then it went from, you know, n- not possible, absolutely not to, well, there's a slight chance to, we'll see what we can do to, okay, come back at the end of the day. And I nice. got it, thank God. But I always tell people, man, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, I swear I didn't feel a thing and everything out of my, yeah. je- like my skinny always, jeans pocket, always- dude. We always keep our passports with our tour manager, like, yeah. if we go out. But, I mean, I really go out, dude, like, especially now that I'm not drinking anymore, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, more things, like, that don't require me to have my passport or to go out and do stuff like that. So, yeah. I'm going to be doing a lot of writing and stuff in my hotel room. And um, I've got, like, a publishing deal now, so I'm going to be doing some writing for other people. I'm going to be doing some writing for myself and, and just cranking out songs that's like my next thing so i want to start writing i want to start writing the next record and getting some songs set aside now so i don't run into another situation where i'm like holy shit i gotta come up with a record you know right no that's that's awesome man no it's um it's funny no back to the password thing no i actually like we were just going out to get food too like it wasn't like i was in a fucking loud bar or club like people all around me it was like it was literally like i was just standing we we went to get food and I was just standing at like a little place buying water at like a like a little convenience store, you know. So it's Crazy. like it, it can happen anywhere. So you know, um, yeah, watch out. We also had p- guns pulled on us once in uh, Brazil too. So that's scary. 
Very, very scary, man. Very, very scary. Um, God, I can't even say the word guns these days, dude. It's like, I'm so fucked up with that thing the other day. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. You've been, you've been pretty vocal, actually, on social media about, um, you know, some of that pol- politics and stuff. Is that something important to you to kind of say what you think? Because I know some artists want to shy away a little bit. They don't want to step into an issue like that and talk about it. And you, you seem to, to be able to speak your mind. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a frustrating situation to be in as like somebody who is a part of the United States to have such a douchebag for a president, you know, like yeah. it's frustrating for me. Um, it's frustrating that there's nothing that anyone can really do about it. Like, it's just, haha, I'm your president, you got to deal with it. It's almost like having a dictator, you know, like, um, yeah. so for me, it, go- it goes against it goes against like our values for whatever the country was based upon. But if you look back in history, like, really, I think all of it's just basically this one big giant lie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I think that, um, the rich get rich, poor get poor. And somewhere along the middle, we try as hard as we can to make the best lives for ourselves and our family. And that's, what's really the most important thing. I think for me making music, it's just to kind of get people through this life, you know, and to, to hopefully bring some sort of happiness to them and, that's what music's always done for me. So that's my goal. But, but yeah, of course I'm going to speak my mind. I think that's important. You know, like totally. I have a platform, I have a platform to do so. Um, and I think that all the people that I looked up to and all the heroes that I have when it comes in terms of music, they all did that. They all spoke their minds. You know, they said what they thought and they, they said what they felt. And I think that's important. No, totally. I mean, but I, I can just imagine like what your Twitter replies look like from from people oh, like, I, don't read I mean them, dude. <laughs> good good because I mean I, I put up something like and it was pretty innocuous too just kind of saying like you know because I have family in Las Vegas and and I had two friends at that show actually um and you know they they well they're they're okay some of their friends are not um but you know I was just so frustrated and I you know put it on Twitter and it's like I don't know how these like pro-gun people find me like, I guess they're just searching on Twitter all day, like, anything about it. And and it's like, I can't believe, like, I'm just like, you don't even follow me. And you're just, like, <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, you know, like, trashing my statement, which wasn't even, like, bad. It was just, like, this light, you know, the, the, the loss of life is so disgusting. And how can this happen, you know? And it's... Um, yeah, uh, my it's, question it's really, is, really brutal. my question is, like, everybody wants to keep their gun, right? Yeah. They want to they they keep their guns because... For what? For protection for themselves and their family, they say. Okay, let me ask you a question. If uh, if an entire SWAT team comes into your house and you have one rifle for you, or maybe maybe you have like an AR-15, a handgun, and a rifle right. for you and your family, right? Do you think it's going to make a difference? Yeah, I know, man. That's, no, it's that's not. That's the argument that I always use, too. It's like if the it's government, if, the, if there's a big, you know, the government is going to whatever their people think there's going to it's going to happen like tomorrow you know like people are like when shit you know when shit hits the fan or whatever whatever that even means trust me if the government wants to take you out the government will take you out and there's not a thing you can do about it (laughs) and there's definitely nothing your ar-15 you're not going to stop 150 troops with bulletproof vests and freaking like rocket launchers or whatever else they're fucking arming themselves with nowadays you're not gonna be able to stop that and then what else is what? What's the other point to have a, a gun to go hunting? All right, cool, whatever, man. Like if that's what you're into, like do your thing. But like then you then you have to deal with all the people that are like pro animal. Um, 
So that leaves what? You have a gun to shoot cans with with your with your kiddo? Cool. That's what BB guns are for, I guess. You know, right. like <laughs> if you really need to do something like that. I just think there's no need for it. There's no there's no positive value in having a gun at all. It doesn't serve a positive purpose. And I guess to me, if you look at the whole situation in Vegas, right? I'm sure that I mean you're looking at people that go to country shows. Those are like dudes that probably have guns and have gun holsters. Right. How many people fired back at this guy that was shooting at him? Right. Well, Nobody. I- because because when you're getting shot at, you go into a state of shock. A lot of these people that say I want a gun for protection aren't used to getting shot at. So these people <laughs> that so so yeah, you might be like badass with your gun at the shooting range, dude, shooting targets and stuff. But when someone's shooting at you. I think what what is going to end up happening is you're going to freeze up and you're going to be terrified. You're not going to know to reach for your gun or anything. The only thing you're going to think of is how the hell do I get out of here so I don't get shot? Right. Ah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. It's just these these situations are are, they're self perpetuating, right? Like, like people think they need a gun because there's guns. Well, what if there's no guns? (laughs) You know. Look at look at the UK. Like. Right. I know. I'm in Germany right now, and and you know. I mean, Germany even has guns, but they don't have the problems like America does because they have some regulation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it it, it really is different. Yeah, it's, UK it's more rare. Or or yeah, it's it's definitely more rare. And the UK and Australia, they don't have any gun violence at all. Like like yeah. they have it's so minuscule. It's not even it's not even funny. You know. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's all these arguments too people make. Like some of them are really funny. Like when people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, yeah, criminals will criminals will find a way, you know, to get guns." And it's like, well, they didn't find a way in Australia. They didn't find a way in the UK. Yeah, and I guess you know what? If criminals can find a way, so can you, dude. If you're really in that desperate need of a gun. <laughs> that's right. I guess right. <laughs> you can. <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, people are like, well, you know, uh, they made drugs illegal, so. Um, you know, and, and people still do drugs. It's like, okay, well, then maybe we should just make meth and heroin legal. <laughs> you know, like, is that a good idea? No one thinks that's I, a good I don't idea. Think, I don't think half these people know why they're arguing for the sake of guns, dude. To be honest, I, I it's just know. how they were. It's just how they were brought up. It's like right, it's how you right. were brought up. Your parents taught you this, and you you just follow by example. Like, no, I don't know. I, I just think that, to me personally, I don't own a gun. I don't have one in my house. If somebody wants to come in and kill me and my family, that it would be a shame. I'd be really bummed out about that. But <laughs> I would hope that I would hope that that wouldn't happen. And I don't think me having a gun would really solve much of a problem if they did. So probably probably I not. I mean, and then it's I do like, have a golf club under my bed, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's probably just as well. I mean, you're not going to sleep. You're not going to like have your family in your house and sleep with a, like a loaded gun under your pillow or under your bed, are you? Yeah. With a, so so with if a you have your yeah, gun, with a five-year-old with a five-year-old running around, right? No, so you're not going to have that. Not. So so then what? You're going to have your gun locked up somewhere. Well, what good is that going to do if somebody comes in your house too? Right. Right. So so what what's more important to you? You're going to run the risk. You're going to for you as a as a family man having your family. Well, what's more likely to happen? there's going to be a gun accident because you have guns laying around the house or someone's going to come in your house and you're going to murder them all and just protect your family and save lives. Well, I have, I have a security system that works really well. There you go. So that's good. Um, and I'm in the process of, of maybe getting a dog. So if okay. I do get a dog, it'll be, a, it'll be a bigger dog with a big bark. There you, you know? go. Yeah. Anytime I go by a house and some dog barks at me, I immediately freak out. I'm not going to that <laughs> house. <you> know? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, well, I, I'm happy to, to talk to you about that stuff. And, uh, I'm sure some <laughs> people listening to this are, 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 um, 
agreeing with us and some people are disagreeing with us. And I think that that's okay. I just think we need to start this conversation. I think people shouldn't be scared to have this conversation because obviously this is a problem, you know, and everyone, no one wants people to die. No one wants people to get shot by crazy people. And you know what I mean? And, and that's like no. absolutely a conversation. This, this Especially country, at a concert where you should feel safe, know. you know? I know. That's what really breaks my heart, too. You know, in a, in a city that's basically my second home. My sister lives there. And, and, I, think and that, I think that they need to crack down on security. I mean, this is like how many concerts does it take for you to like, there needs to be a crackdown on security, dude, here. Well, in, yeah. In some of these things. I mean, like, it wouldn't have mattered at, uh, at the one right, in Las you're right. Vegas. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered in this situation for sure. But... But um, I think in situations where people go into a concert venue and open fire, like that's that's definitely a cause for for more security at some of these venues, you know. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, there's no reason like you go to a you go to a baseball game or something and you walk through a metal detector. I think shows should be the same, you know. Yeah, venues should absolutely. have have that, you know, um, for the safety of everybody there and the bands and everybody. I mean, it's it's a public place, and you know, I think obviously it's hard to do at a local show at a VFW hall. But, you know, I mean, when you're talking about any show where there's going to be a few hundred people, absolutely, it, sh- it should be mandatory. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. Um, okay, yeah, well, th- hey, thanks for your time, man. I, just, I guess, like, I just want to touch back on this, you know, the, the struggle with alcoholism. Thank you for, you know, bringing that up and speaking your mind about it. Um, I think it's good that you put that out there and, you know, people kind of, can know you know to support you on that i think i think it's i, I think it's do. good to put it i think it's good i think it's good to put it out there for me just because it's it's yeah. it's less of a secret and it's more of like a reason for me to continue fighting it you know i, I, I think that's the reason why i put it out there today because um, i haven't really been talking about it other than with my band but yeah i think it's important i think it's important to pe- for people to know and i think it's important for people to know that um that I want to be my, the best version of myself, not only for my family, but for the kids that come to my shows, you know, like, I think that that's really important. I want to be able to put on the best performance for them. And I want to be able to be in my right head, my right mind, you know, and, and be, be, be there and to be present in my body. And, um, so that's, that's, that's what I'm going to be doing from now on. And hopefully it, it makes for a way better performance and a way better version of myself. Absolutely. I think having some support system too. I mean, you're going to go on tour and obviously, you know, you guys have, have been off for a little while. You haven't been doing as many shows and you have to be careful when you're on tour. You know, you're not going to fall into your old habits um, and right. it's very easy to. So I'm, I'm, are you having some apprehension about that? Um, is there some fear? No, there? dude, I have, a really, I have a really good support system in place. Great. Um, in, my, in my band, my band's aware, you know, like, yep. and they're really good about, they're really good about punishing me in that way. Like if I was ever to be like, oh, I guess I'll have a drink. They'd be like, nope, you're not having one, you know? So they're right. really good on that. Oh, that's terrific, Cal. No way, dude. I, like, honestly, like, you get to a point where you're just like, I'm done, you know? And, and that's where I'm at, so. Here it is. He's done. Congratulations, <laughs> done. man. All the best with everything, with the new record. Gossip is out now. Check it out. Uh, Sleeping with Sirens will be coming to a city near you, unless you live in America. <laughs> and, no, um, we'll, be back. we'll be back in America for sure. We, we got, we're going to be doing some stuff there. It's just not going to be, we're not doing like a big, big tour until probably next year. Awesome. Well, great to hear and uh, all the best, Kellen. Thanks for taking the time and uh, I'll see you around. Cool. Thanks for having me, dude. All right, man. All the best. Peace. Yeah, cheers. So there it is with Kellen. We did get into some heavy subject matter there at the end and I think that's okay. I think that's okay to talk about that stuff. It's good to have that debate and I'm well aware not everyone's going to agree with my opinion, with Kellen's opinion. 
I think that's fine. I think everybody needs to form their own opinions, think for themselves, and really come up with what they think based on their own information that they've gathered, not just rehashing other things they've heard. Regardless, I think everyone wants to make the world a better place, and we have to start somewhere. Thanks so much to Kellen for doing this. Dude, I wish you all the best with your sobriety. All the best with the new record. Thank you for being so honest. And I think putting it out there will be really good to have even more of a support system. Next week, we will be back again with a great episode, episode 99. Can you believe it? We're almost at episode 100. And you better believe it. I have a very special guest for episode 100. It will be a celebration So make sure, whatever you're listening to this on, you hit the subscribe button. I do not want you missing all these great episodes we have coming up on the show. Be sure to hit us up on social media. Send me an email, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the All Access Club if you want to help out the show or if you want to be a bigger part of it. Again, the link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. I will leave you with a tune as always. Here is a new Sleeping With Sirens jam and also the official song of the U.S. Olympic team. Here's Legends on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. We can be legends after all.
Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this week's podcast. I want to take a minute to thank some of the people in the All Access Club that really helped this thing going week after week, helped me keep the lights on. Thank you for all the love, all the support. You guys are so awesome. Shout out to Nathan Riley, Martin Gomez, Philip Kadzierski, Rainer Ho, what up Rainer, straight out of Singapore, Brendan Potter, Jessica Blasio, Cameron Lopez, Nick, Andy Miller, Christina Springer, Jed Colley, Sarah Pauls, Derek James, Tyler Burnworth, yeah, Tyler, what up, buddy? John Schwartz, Marquise Reynolds, we got just one name, Fick, very cool. Fick, you are awesome. Jordan Worley, Ian Klissick, Megan Marr, shout out, straight out of Australia, what up? Jamie Inkster, Austin Amos, Connor Lynch, Caitlin Stevens, Ohio's Finest, Jesse Basso, Mike Monkhouse, straight out of Oakville, Ontario, baby, Drew McDonald, Ian Scott, Brandon Drescher, Kyle Simpkins, Jeffrey Adams, Jordan Crink, Alina Anglin, say what's up to Neil for me, Michelle Tew, Eric Layton, Connor Larson, Austin, Brandon Ray, Trent McDougal, straight out of T.O., the six, what up? Christina Fickett from Texas, Brandon Dave, Philip Fradkin, my girl Mo Horta, Josh Vandruff, Evan Van Howe, Aiden McLaughlin, Julia Casada, Travis Hardy, Cole Fenn, Johnny Carroll, LA's finest, love you Johnny, Victoria Var, straight out of Sweden, great seeing you this week, Dre, oh man Dre, we we got some, we got to talk about some things Dre, but hey, thank you, Will Southard, Markham King, Christian Harris, Roy Stino, Shannon Caswell, Roldan Cabate, what's up Roldan, Tom Mancini, Gabby Marshall, and my boy, also from Toronto, Rigel St. Pierre. Thank you so much, everybody, for being a part of the All Access Club and being absolutely incredible. I'll see you all soon. Hey, thanks for listening to this. Make sure you're subscribed. If you like the show, write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. And as always, feel free to get in touch. I'm out of here. Peace and love. We'll see you next time.